And I think you probably accomplish more when you're actually getting adequate rest and having time to think over the things you've been playing with and stuff like that. Plus, you know, you don't want to neglect things like family and stuff, which makes you a better person in general and thus a better programmer. Date July 2015, episode 129 with James Edward Gray II, Ruby developer, podcaster, author and conference organizer in Oklahoma. In this episode, we talk about functional languages, JavaScript, Ember.js, and coding bootcamps. This episode is sponsored by the lovely people at Media Temple and Code School. Have you looked uh, into functional programming much lately? Maybe not as much lately. I did a while back. I played with functional programming a fair bit, and I I like functional programming. Like, I, there's a lot of things. Uh, I like about it. I played with Erlang pretty significantly. Mm -hmm. uh, and in some ways, I, I liked Erlang a lot, but the syntax is really weird. Uh, and I think pretty much everybody agrees to that, that the syntax is kind of unusual and annoying in some ways. Nowadays, there's Elixir, uh, which I haven't had a chance to play with, but I think it would be a really great sweet spot because uh, all the goodness of Erlang plus a pretty Ruby-ish like syntax, you know? So I think that would be great. I'm super interested in closure. And oh, just yeah. have not had the time to sit down and play with it. I am kind of a Lisp fan. I'm an Emacs user. Uh, I use Emacs Lisp to program Lisp all the time, or to program mm -hmm. Emacs all the time. I, I do enjoy a good Lisp, so I, I suspect I would have a good time with uh, Clojure. One of the ThoughtBot engineers, I think uh, Pat Brisbane, but I could be wrong about the name, he wrote a short book about Haskell for like an intro book for beginners. Um, definitely gonna check that out soon. It's supposed to be very good. Yeah, so Haskell is interesting. I've, I haven't really played with it much. I've, I've looked at it a tiny bit, and um, uh, this is funny, but actually, I, I made a comment about it on Rogues one day about how, yeah, Haskell probably wasn't for me or something, and then. Uh, I, I'm actually out at the theater where I live and, uh, you know, watching a show and somebody recognizes my voice as I'm talking to the friends I'm with from the Ruby Rogues podcast. And they come up to me and they're like, oh, I listen to you on Rogues and, uh, you know, it's great. I love the show. And just FYI, you're totally wrong about Haskell. And they start <laughs> telling me all this uh, great stuff about Haskell. It was super cool uh, to get like somebody else's perspective who actually uses it and stuff. It was great. JavaScript, um, you can love it, hate it, of course, but it seems to become ubiquitous for people developing for the web. I would love to hear what you think about JavaScript, and are you doing much work with it? Not really. I'm, I've never been much of a front-end guy. I'm a pretty heavy back-end developer. For years, my way of using JavaScript was to Google the thing I needed to do, you know, make this thing appear or disappear copy mm -hmm. the code off of the internet and use it, you know, maybe with some tiny tweaks, which is, I know is terrible. I actually then, uh, a couple of years back, I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. I should sit down and actually learn JavaScript. And I did do that. I uh, spent some time learning the language and stuff like that. Th there are things I even like about the JavaScript language. The variable scope uh, and functions, I guess, can be like a blessing and a curse, but I find it regular and easy to reason about. 
Um, and, and so I, I kind of like that. But there are things in the language that just, like, make me cry a lot. Like, the conversions. You know, when it starts... When JavaScript starts automatically converting things for you, you know, because you added a number to an object or something, there's pretty much no way that doesn't end in tears, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, um, so I, I definitely don't love the language, especially not like I love Ruby. Um, I do love how accessible it is, how, you know, all, everybody has a web browser, right. mm -hmm. you know, and you can fire up a web browser and start playing with it. And I do love that. And so, but I never really fell in love with JavaScript like I did other languages. Um, in recent years, I've played quite a bit with Dart, which is Google's mm -hmm. language. Um, so Dart is super interesting if you haven't played with it and you do have a love of these front-end things because it can compile itself to JavaScript. So mm -hmm. you can write in Dart, then compile it to JavaScript and run it in a web browser just like you would with JavaScript. Uh, but Dart is this nice object-oriented, tools-included language that kind of reminds me of Ruby at times. It's got these great objects. There are some features in Dart I, I wish Matt's would add to Ruby because I like them so much. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I've personally had some fun playing around with that and been able to get the front-end enjoyment that way. But my day job is mostly back-end development, so it's mostly just me playing around. Mm -hmm. Sounds similar to ClojureScript. Yes, ClojureScript, right. Um, yeah, which is something I, again, is on my... I need to play with this someday and haven't. And uh, yes, it does sound similar to that in some ways. Also, I really want to check out Elm. I've heard great things about Elm, which is uh -huh. a reactive, you know, front-end kind of thing that I would love to play with. Hey, Between Screen listeners, this is John Friscus from Code School here to say hello. If you're not familiar with us, CodeSchool is an online learning destination for existing and aspiring developers that teaches through entertaining content. With experienced instructors and high-quality courses, over a million people have trusted CodeSchool to teach the most popular development languages by turning learning into a game-like experience. So check us out at CodeSchool.com and start learning by doing. For years, Minute Number Script Service has been the web hosting choice of more designers, developers, and creative professionals than any other platform. A single grid account can host anything from your portfolio site to 100 different client projects. And the grid is ready for anything. Hundreds of servers work together in the cloud to keep your sites online, even if you suddenly hit the front page of Reddit. Also check out their new WordPress hosting product, as well as their launching of Google Apps for Work. Virtual private server solutions are also available with their DV and DV developer hosting plans. You can use the promo code SCREEN25 for 25% off web hosting. Go to mediatemple.net and enter your promo code upon sign-up. Thanks for listening. And what do you think of Ember.js? Do you think it's maybe going to be as influential as, as Rails at some point? That's a good question. I don't think I'm as qualified to answer that, being mostly... A Ruby guy, I will say that, you know, I think Ember is, well, first of all, it's maintained by some really smart people that I respect mm -hmm. a lot. And two, it's got, it's just been around for a while and doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And 
you know, is, is seems to be getting more stable and, and more featured all the time. So I, I suspect there's something there, but it, it's definitely out of my area of expertise. What is your opinion about boot camps these days? Are there any that you like or would even recommend doing? And in general, what do you think? I've, I've definitely seen, you know, both sides of it, I think. One, people go through it and come out uh, with some skills and really seem to do well in it. And I think that's great. I've heard other ones where other people complain that maybe, you know, some of their knowledge is a little superficial. It's It's kind of naive sometimes to think that you can learn web development in, you know, three months or whatever. Uh, but, you know, I, mostly I think I'm on the side of for it. You know, everybody learns and starts somewhere, right? So you have this, um, this whatever you know, and you get some skill level, and then you come in knowing that much, and the rest you pick up as, as time goes on. So if you can get into a boot camp and it fits for you and stuff like that, uh, and you can come up, you know, through that and get the skills that you need to get in and get started. I think that's good. The the one thing I would caution against that I have seen from them that I think is probably a little troubling. Some of them seem to think, well, the way you teach something in three months or six months or whatever is you just work 70 hours a week uh, yeah. nonstop. And then that way you can maximize your time and what you're getting out of it. I would encourage you to kind of back off of programs like that. I think that, one, it's not sustainable. Two, you don't want to work like that when you're actually, like, in a job. Uh, you know, you want to have this time off and downtime and relaxation. And I think you probably accomplish more when you're actually getting adequate rest and having time to think over the things you've been playing with and stuff like that. Plus, you know, you don't want to neglect things like family and stuff, which makes you a better person in general and thus a better programmer, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that is maybe the one caution I would say is don't get into some program that doesn't fit your lifestyle or whatever. But, uh, you know, however... However you can get the knowledge and, and learn up and stuff, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. No, I agreed. Um, the thing that worried me in the past, maybe still does probably, um, is the gold rush. So people are charging ridiculous amounts of money and I think often maybe not providing the skills that they are advertising. Yeah, I think uh, some of what I've seen just talking to a few people that have gone through boot camps is, um, you know, they, they seem to have this kind of selection process and stuff like that. Mm. And um, it's like, you know, oh, they, they handpick these people. But then when you go back and talk to those people that went into the programming uh, boot camp, I feel like if you talk to them about what they were doing before, they were already well on the road to becoming yeah. programmers, you mm -hmm. know. And, like, it probably almost would have happened whether they did or did not go to the boot camp. So I think that's fine, though. And, you know, it, it, like you said, it is, it is a, definitely a, a time of gold rush and, and uh, the prices can be uh, kind of scary. And, and yeah, you want to be sure you're getting what it says on the label. Yeah, mm. I think that's a good, good caution. I think what Jeff Casimir is doing with uh, the Turing School sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, Jeff's just a great guy in general. I, I was lucky enough to, I held, hosted a 
a couple of Ruby conferences several years ago, and he came out oh, uh, for one of them and got to talk with him. And just a super neat guy. Uh, I mm-hmm. I really enjoy watching the things he does and stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that, that you were hosting Ruby conferences. Awesome. Yeah, that was a long time ago. We did two Red Dirt Ruby conferences where I live in Oklahoma. The dirt is actually red here, which is kind of strange. Um, but yeah, we had two, um, two conferences and it was a good time. A lot of work. I have a lot of respect for people that run conferences. 